Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Hey everybody, how are you? Hey, would you join me in thanking Corey and the leadership and the search team for all that they have done over the last year leading up to this time? And I think I said something because now everyone's leaving right now. I don't know. I'm not sure what that's all about, but I, I have a feeling they're going to a much better place. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Brent. And, uh, and it's an honor. Congregation, I look forward to getting to meet you afterwards if we haven't met yet. Staff, thank you for, for uh, greeting me as well. Uh, leadership, search team, uh, and for friends and family who are here, um, it is an honor. Hey, I wanted to make sure that you knew who I was, a picture of my family. We're not all able to be here today, but last weekend, uh, my son and his fiance graduated from college uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. This is great. That means no more tuition payments. We're thrilled about that. So yay for that. Um, I'm going to put the picture on up here. Um, on the on the very left is my daughter Paige. And Paige is 17 years old, went to formal uh, on Friday night and is at uh, Fresno Christian as a junior. Uh, and she's, uh, she's my beautiful daughter who loves to sing and she loves to cheer. Um, and she needs to stop getting older. Uh, we love that. Uh, and she's here along with my wife Amy uh, next to her. Uh, it's weird because I'm looking at a picture, but they're like right here. Uh, um, but uh, she's the, uh, the, my wife for the last 26 years. 25 of those have been pretty good. Uh, that first one was a doozy. Uh, we, we didn't get the premarital counseling, um, but we now are huge proponents of premarital counseling. So, um, but yeah, Amy uh, is, is, is just so supportive of me and also uh, is the principal at Fresno Christian Schools. Has anybody in here been a part of Fresno Christian? Let me see your hands in the air. Wave them around like you just don't care. All right, all right, go Eagles. Uh, and then, and then the, the 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 bearded one in the middle is my son Blake, and he he graduated last weekend with a degree in business, marketing, advertising, and Christian ministries, uh, and he's got a job out of college. So we're excited about that. This is good. And he serves in his church and plays electric guitar as a music director. His fiance Bella, he way outpunted his coverage, as you can tell. Uh, but she she graduated as well. She's on staff at their church. She's a worship leader in the Phoenix area and is in real estate. And then I'm the knucklehead on the right. That's me. And so I do have some friends and family here as well. But it's very tight knit, small knit group of people that are near and dear. And I appreciate your love, care. And support. Hey, today what I wanted to do is I wanted to do my favorite thing in the world, and that is to talk about Jesus and to learn from his word. So if you have a Bible, I'd love to have you turn with me to the gospel of Mark, the good news according to Mark. And we're going to be looking at two different stories in the New Testament uh, of storm stories. And we're going to jump right into uh, 
uh, to the first story, which comes out of Mark chapter 4. And, and it says that day. Now that day is a day that, that Jesus was speaking, He was teaching, He was a rabbi. And that day He was talking very familiar to us here in the Central Valley about soil and about seeds and about growing things. And it was on that day, Jesus said to His disciples, let's go to the other side. A little bit of group participation here, everybody. Everyone say with me, the other side. That's pretty good. I'm not even going to have you repeat that. That's good stuff. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. How do we get from where we are to where the Lord wants us? To the other side. They were at the Sea of Galilee. They were in the region of Galilee. And Jesus was getting them to get on a boat to move to their destination, to their next place, their goal, their prayer. And it says in, in verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him, Jesus, along just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. I'd never really thought about this before, but there's some of us that we like to, to drive in the carpool lane. So maybe this is like a boat pool lane going on there. We're not sure, but there's a group of people. And the reason I believe that the gospel writer was putting this in there was to let us know that this really happened. There were people, there were witnesses that could verify that the events that are going to happen really happened. It wasn't an isolated event. And then a furious squall came about in verse 37 and the waves broke over the boat so that they were almost nearly swamped. Now, I don't know. I've never been in a furious squall before, but this is more than a little bit of ripples out at Millerton Lake, everyone, right? If you've ever been on the carnival cruise to Ensenada, it's more than getting a little bit of seasick. We're led to believe that this is a pretty dire situation, that water was coming into the boat and the disciples were just a little bit freaking out. And the squall got their attention. The water was coming in to the boat. It's safe to say they were in a storm. Before I go any further, has anybody in the room here ever been in a storm before in life? Can I see your hands? Anybody? Oh, there's some of you that have never been in a storm. Well, I want to learn from you later. You can teach me all your secrets. But this is what I know to be true about storms. You're either in one right now, you're coming out of one, or the perfect storm's right around the corner. And those storms are going to be in life, it's going to be in relationships, it's going to be in your career. Some of you are going through a health storm right now, a career storm, a relational storm. Whatever it is, I believe this is what Jesus wants to teach us today. That He's not afraid of storms. How do I know that? Because it, He was taking a nap. Look, verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, the back, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke Him up and they said, Hey, don't you care? It's interesting to note that Jesus wasn't afraid of the storm. I believe He knew there was a storm. He just wasn't afraid. And it's interesting that the disciples do what we sometimes do in the midst of a storm. They go to motive. And they ask Him, don't you care? Isn't that true what we do sometimes when we're in the midst of something, a challenge? We just ask ourselves, God, are you aware? And do you even what? Care. Do you even care? And we know that He was aware and we know that He did care. And we all know that especially during storms of life, God wants to do something in our life. I've got a little something on the, uh, that's not on your notes. This is a little extra credit here if you wanted to write it down. But it's simply this, is that God is often doing the most when it appears that He's doing the least. God is oftentimes, just behind the scenes, He's doing things and we sometimes don't even recognize what He's doing until after the fact. 
Can you guys relate with that? Can you, can you look at your life and can you look back at a situation or a circumstance and clearly see that the Lord was guarding and He was protecting and He was directing your life, but in the midst of the storm and the situation, you were honestly kind of freaking out like the disciples. Verse 39, Jesus gets up, He rebukes the wind, He says to the waves, quiet, peace, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And in this moment, we see that, that Jesus exerted His authority over creation. We see that He was the Lord of all. He was not just a good teacher, a rabbi, but He was something more. He had power to control the waves. And we knew that He was aware and that He did care in the storms of the life of His disciples and in our life today. Let's continue to read here. And in verse 40, Jesus said to His disciples, and He gets to the issue and if you're gonna, if you want to sleep for the next couple minutes, great. Just listen to this part right here. He says, "Why are you afraid?" And then he goes and says, "Do you have no faith?" Jesus is 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 unearthing the issue that we as Jesus followers have to struggle with our whole life, and that is going to be: Are we going to walk by faith, or are we going to be held back by fear? There's a little life lesson I've learned through the years, and it's simply this, is that we cannot walk by both fear and faith at the same time. We have to make a choice. We're going to be paralyzed in fear, or we're going to be people of faith. We see that the disciples are terrified, verse 41. They ask each other, who's this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They were, they were terrified. They were, they were freaking out. And here's why. As far as I can tell in the gospel, this is the first time that they had all witnessed a miracle of Jesus together. Peter, James, and John, they had seen Jesus heal people. But here, this was miraculous. This got their attention and they were afraid. Why? Because I think they're beginning to put two and two together. That Jesus was more than just a good teacher. He was even more than a miracle worker. He was Lord of all. So what I want to do is I want to make three observations this morning in the time that we have together. And I hope they're applicable for you. I hope they're helpful for you. And maybe even a little bit challenging for you. Plus, that's what preachers do. We give you three points. Okay, so number one, if you would, if you're a note taker, if you would fill this in, is that storms happen even when Jesus is in our boat. Storms happen in our life even when Jesus is in our boat. You see, there's a misnomer. And the misnomer is this, is that, is that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, that all of a sudden life's going to get instantly easier. But isn't the opposite completely true? Can I hear an amen to that? I remember one time someone said, hey, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm like, why? He's like, well, I want a girlfriend. I can't get a, get a, get a girlfriend, so I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And, and I'm like, well, buddy, Jesus is not going to, you know, not going to heal your bad breath. You can get a brush for that, right? You know what I mean? So there are, there are times when we, we think that Jesus is just going to make our lives easier. But the truth is, when we closer in a real way follow Jesus, isn't it true that sometimes it gets a lot harder before it gets better? Sometimes when we give our lives more to the Lord, there's a sacrifice involved. There's discipline involved. And we have to give some things up. What I do know is simply this, is that some of you are in a storm right now. And maybe your storm isn't as dire as, as you're taking on water and you're wondering if you're going to make it to the other side. But it's real. And it's got your attention. And it can be in a myriad of ways. And this is what I want you to hear, that the, that the only way that you're going to be able to make it through 
the storms of life is by experiencing the peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. He is going to be the one who will be with you in the midst of the storm. And unfortunately, I have another truth to tell you. That there are certain life lessons and spiritual muscles that will only be learned and developed in the midst of a storm. Sometimes the Lord just allows us to go through those. That Jesus is aware and He does care. But we have to choose to walk by faith and not to be stymied by fear. Hey, before we move on to the next storm story, what I wanted to do is I wanted to tip my toe into chapter 5, verse 1 to let you know what happens. And what happens is is that they, they make it to the other side. They make it to their destination. It says, then they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, the lake that they're talking about was the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Lake of Tiberias. And the lake is the metaphor. It's this location where Jesus is doing a teaching and we get to learn from. It was, gosh, probably some 20 years ago, I was uh, encouraged to make a, a regular personal devotional life a part of, of, of who I am. And, and there was a guy who was a pastor of a church in, in Hawaii of all places named Wayne Cordero. And Wayne Cordero has this thing called life journaling. And in life journaling, you take a Bible verse and take a passage every day and you just write the SOAP acronym, S-O-A-P, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And I was doing that for several years and got a little bit, a little stale, just kind of going through the motions. And then one day, a friend of mine said, Hey, Brent, you should consider for your own personal study, mixing it up with the translations. Um, his name was H. Spees. I don't know if you guys know H or not, but H is a dear, dear friend of mine. I got to work with him and partner in ministry. He passed away this weekend, and uh, our hearts are with the Spees family. But I'm going to tell you that one of the things that H and I used to do is we used to share coffee, and we used to share God's Word together in our spiritual journals. And he's the one that said, Brent, you should really mix up your translations. So this year in 2023, the translation that I've been going through for my own personal study is the new King James version of the Bible. It kind of reminds me a little bit of my good old fundamentalist upbringing. I don't know if I was fundamentalist. I just said that. All right. But I do know that the King James version is what I remembered hearing as a kid. Anyone else remember the, the King James? All right. But the new King James version I've been reading through and I really like what it has says about this passage. Let me, let me quote it for you. A verse one in the New King James Version. Then they came to the other side. Everyone say other side. So we see that they made it from where they were through the storm and they made it to the other side. And we see that God is faithful. I'm going to make a second observation if you're taking notes, if you would write this down, is that apart from Jesus, we're just never going to make it to the other side. We're going to try. We're going to give it our college best. We're going to work hard and we're going to, we're going to fail time and time and time again. We see the Bible is chock full of all kinds of examples of people trying to get to the other side of whatever on their own strength. But the only way we're going to make it to the other side is with Jesus in our life. So skipping ahead to the next storm story, we're going to move over a whole chapter and it doesn't mean that it's not significant because it totally is. But, Right before the storm happens, Jesus performs this pretty incredible miracle, which I'm sure you've probably heard of before, when he multiplied loaves and fish and fed 5,000 people. Do you remember that story, everyone? And so that just happened. And then in verse 45, in the New King James Version, 
It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to whatever one, the other side, okay, made them get into the boat to the other side to Bethsaida. And then he sent the multitude away. So the multitude, everyone, 5,000 people. He sends them away. He makes his closest disciples hop in the boat. He pushes them out to the lake, to the Sea of Galilee. And they're on their way to the other side. I, I want to make one important point here. This was whose idea to get in the boat? Jesus's. So Jesus knowingly is pushing the dudes into a boat, into a storm. Just let you think about that just for a little bit. After leaving them, Jesus went up onto a mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and He was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now, I, I don't know if you've been very much on, a, on, on water in a boat or a kayak or a paddleboard, but I'll tell you what, if you've ever tried to paddle against the current or against the wind, it's not fun. It's no bueno. And that's exactly what's happening to the disciples. They're going against the current. They're going against the wind. And Jesus is watching. He's looking at them. He sees them. They're straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And for some of us, we feel like we're in a season of life where we're just experiencing opposition. We're feeling like we're, we're, we're against the current of culture or, or, or against the winds of whatever might be happening. And I just want you to know that God sees you. He's aware. And it's possible that you're in the midst of a storm from where you are to where He wants you to go. And there could be a lesson that He wants you to learn. See, oftentimes we grow the most during those seasons of opposition. See, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. I, I, let me just go ahead and pause there real quick. You know, sometimes we're reading about Jesus and He does really crazy stuff and then we just read it like it's not a big deal. Let me just go ahead and say it one more time. Jesus is walking on the water. That's just a little crazy, right everyone? It's not a motorized deal. He's not being pulled behind a boat. He's walking on the water. But to add even more funny to that, look what happens here. He's walking on the lake and he's about ready to pass them by. And I'm not sure how that's going. It's like, hey guys, what's up? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not sure what was going on, but what we know is, is that Jesus was kind of flexing the I'm in control sovereign deal. He's on top of the water. He gets their attention and they're rightfully terrified. If you're up at Bass Lake, you're fishing in the morning and all of a sudden you're taking on water or something's dicey and crazy and you're like, we're going down. God, please help. And all of a sudden some dude starts walking into the middle of the lake. You can barely make it out. You're going to be a little freaked out. Yes. Yeah. So they're freaking out. Rightfully so. They're terrified. They see him walking towards them. They cried out because they were terrified. Immediately, Joseph, uh, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Do not be what, church? Afraid. I love the King James Version, which I've been studying this year. It says these words. I love it. It says, Be of good cheer. Be of good... Yeah, stop freaking out. Be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. I do think that sometimes when life doesn't go the way we hoped it would or wanted it to, sometimes our natural instinct is to freak out, to be afraid. I'm going to say it one more time. I put it on the screen before. I'm not going to put it on the screen again. The choice is yours. 
How will you respond to the storms of life? Are you going to be paralyzed by fear? Or are you going to walk by faith? Because you cannot do both at the same time. The choice, church, is yours. We can't walk by both fear and faith at the same time. Verse 51, Then Jesus climbed into the boat with them, and the winds died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. See, really, at the end of the day, it was a faith issue. They had, they had been a part of... Jesus allowed them to be a part of this really super cool miracle. Like literally, like through their hands, they fed 5,000 people, but they missed the point. When you look back at your life and you're, and you're going through some challenging times, have you ever noticed that sometimes we don't quite understand it when it's happening? And that's exactly what's happening here with the disciples. Is that they, they were suffering from something we call spiritual amnesia. Or their hearts had become hardened. Or they, they just weren't willing to see what God was actually doing in the midst of of the storm we can become at times as christians critical we can be jaded because it wasn't what we were expecting and it puts us into that fight or flight mode but what if there's another way what if there's a way that we could walk through the storms of life with faith you see the next word uh is when verse 53 when they crossed over they landed in gennesaret and they anchored there not 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 if but when because I just want to point out that they made it to the other side. And when we are in the boat with Christ, we're going to make it to the other side. We're not always where we think we are. We're not always where we want to be. But when Christ is with us, we're going to make it to the other side. As a kid growing up, um, we didn't go on a whole lot of vacations. We're more of a road trip kind of family. Any road trip kind of family people out there, right? I think the reason why we went on road trips is because a lot of times someone else is paying for the gas, right? So we would, we would go on these trips and I'm going to date myself right now. Um, when I was growing up, we didn't have like cell phones. We didn't have gaming devices. We, we didn't have things to keep ourselves entertained other than games like I spy with my little eye. Or remember the license plate game? You guys remember the license plate game? We'd play the license plate game. Every My favorite game, my sister didn't appreciate it. She's here today, by the way. I love the slug bug game. That was my favorite game, right? I'm not sure why she didn't like the slug bug game, but it was a lot of fun for me. And once I kind of made it through all that I knew how to do, and I didn't really like to read back then, so I'm just sitting in the back seat, and I'm not exactly sure how much longer it's going to be till we get to where we're going to go. But it's a matter of time before I or my sister would speak up from back in, in captivity in the back seat to the promised land of the front seat. I would ask mom and dad, what? Are we there yet? To which they must be thinking we're not even out of the city limits yet, right? We haven't even made it into the next county. And you're asking us, are we there yet? Now, the truth is, is in my mind, I knew we weren't there yet. But in essence, what I was saying is, is like, I'm not real happy about my situation. Because I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not yet where I want to be. And so the only thing I can come up with is this question, and that is to let you know that I'm not, I just want to get there. Are we there yet? I was just tired. I was bored. Have you ever asked God, are we there yet? I mean, you, you, you know that you're not even out of the city limits yet. 
you know it's, it's, prob- it's probably, you know the answer is no. But have you ever asked, are we there yet? God, I mean really? My relationships, my career, my, this health diagnosis, what's going on in, in my faith or in our family, are, are we there yet? And I think sometimes we try to short-circuit the process of what Jesus wants to do. And He he wants us to learn these lessons in the storm, but sometimes we try to fall for these like seven spiritual secrets or three happy hops or one big thing and so we can put the, the coin in and hit the vending machine hand of God and get the answer microwaved and ready to go. But isn't it true, friends, it doesn't work like that all the time? It doesn't. See, a lot of times it takes time to get from where we are to where the Lord wants us. Um, I've heard of some people call this the meantime. The timing of God and the meantime of waiting. And as a culture, because we're so fast food, we're so instant gratification, we want it right now, we don't like to wait. I, I know for me tonight, um, one of my things I like to do around 8 o'clock is I like to turn on TV, watch ESPN, watch all the highlights of all the sports for the day, and it's all summarized in the top ten, I see all the best parts of all the sports, and it's there in about five minutes. I love that. But here's the problem. When you're just watching the highlight reel of the end of the day of the sporting events, you're forgetting about all the times that they had to get up early and go to practice. All the times they got cut. All the times they struck out. All the times that they had to recover from an injury. We're, we're in this award season where you're seeing country music awards or academy awards, and you, 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 we love to celebrate who wins. But we, we don't oftentimes recognize the time that people got cut or they, they, didn't, they didn't get chosen for that play or they came in runner-up. Because we just, like social media, love to present just the highlight reels of life and it's not reality. Amen? In the meantime, we're asking ourselves, are we there yet? And we don't handle the meantime really well. This is my third and final point that I want to make. Here's the deal. Is that the meantime really matters to God. And how we handle the meantime, how we handle the storm, reflects really truly who we are in Christ as followers of Him. We see example after example of a people of faith wrestling with the meantime. Whether it was Saul becoming Paul, that was three years. Jesus, our last snapshot of Him was about age 12. And then he shows back up around age 30. That's almost two decades of a meantime. Abraham, almost 25 years for Isaac. Moses, 40 years of meantime on the backside of nowhere watching sheep. Before he was liberated into what the Lord wanted to do, which was to set his people free. I think sometimes we just gloss over the meantime, but the meantime is a necessary passage to get from where we are to the other side. And sometimes as Christians, we get prideful, we get arrogant, and we know we're not good. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm great. No, you're not. Guys, can I tell you something? It's okay not to be okay. And it's okay because you know what? Even when life's not great, God is good. Even in the midst of the storm, God is good. Parents, you love your children. You prayed for your children. I was talking to a couple this morning. They had like a miracle baby. But every once in a while, that miracle baby doesn't go to sleep. <laughs> Got colic. 
And it's okay to be like, I love my child, but I don't like not being able to go to sleep. You've been praying for your husband or your wife, but you don't really like what they're doing. You're thankful that you have a job, but honestly, it's just not what you went to. All that school and all that trouble, and you're not where you thought you were going to be at this time in life. And so, in the meantime, what I wanted to do is I wanted to share a Bible verse out of my personal devotional time with you that spoke to me recently. And it comes from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. And this is what he says in the King James, New King James Version. He says, "And let, let's not grow weary while doing good for in... Everyone say due season. Oh, you didn't say it quite loud enough. Everyone say due season. You see, some of you are wanting to know, hey, can you tell me like, talk about due season. Like, can you tell me more about that? Like, when's God going to get me through this storm to the other side? Here it is. Ready? When your season's due. That's the answer. And, and, and a lot of times we want to thumb wrestle with God because His timing seems a little slow. And in my life and been a follower of Jesus for over 30 years, I'll tell you, God is seldom early. He's never late. He's always on time. And in due season, do not grow weary in doing good. Why? Because God loves you. He is with you. He is for you. And He's going to help you make it to the other side. You know, I think about the disciples and a lot of times we can play armchair quarterback and we can kind of make fun of them and we can say, oh gosh, you know, like 2,000 years later, like in our lazy boy, we can say, boy, I would have done it so much different. But can we give these guys props for one quick second? You know what's super cool about them? They got in the boat. Jesus told them to get in the boat. They got in the boat. And outside of Peter, that one time where he hopped out of the boat, they all stayed in the boat. And that's pretty cool, isn't it, everyone? I, if, if, if you've been sleeping for the last 28 minutes, um, I want you to wake up. I'm going to give you the big idea. So you can literally wrap everything I've talked about into this one big idea, and you can leave here and feel really spiritual. Ready? Here it is. In the midst of what God is doing in our life, Stay in the boat and stay close to Jesus. In the midst of the storms of life, friends, let me encourage you all to stay in the boat and stay close to Jesus because close to Jesus is where you want to be. How do we stay close to Jesus? Well, you're doing it right now. We're gathering together as a faith community. We're opening up God's Word. We're learning. We're praying. We're studying. I'm going to share something. You're going to like it. Don't throw anything at me. Sometimes I've noticed that when I'm kind of feeling sorry for myself in my storms, I kind of make it about me. One of the things that sometimes we need to do to stay close to Jesus is to emulate Jesus. Remember in Philippians it says Jesus humbled himself, did not want to be served, but what? And to what? Serve and to give his what? His life as a ransom for many. You see, the times that I feel like I don't have enough, I've discovered that when I give, times that I want to be served and when I serve, it just scoots me closer and closer to Jesus. Um, let me wrap up with this. I, I know that for some of you, you're, you're wondering, like, is this whole trust in Jesus in the storm thing, is it really going to work? Um, so when we be coming home from these road trips, 
You remember like you'd go to these states and you'd get the sticker to put it on the sticker on the back of the RV, where you've been and all that. And, and it seemed to me like by the end of the, the, the trip, whether you'd been a weekend or two weeks in and you're coming home, remember how much you were looking forward to being able to sleep in your own bed? Remember that feeling right there? You just, you just wanted to get there. And this is before GPS and global tracking and all of that. You're just looking at those miles and you're like, oh my gosh, that's like how many minutes is 200 miles, right? And I remember asking my parents one time on our way home, asking my parents, are we there yet? And I knew we weren't there yet. And they're like, son, you, you just, you, you just gotta close your eyes. You just gotta take a nap and it's gonna go a lot quicker. And I remember just thinking, I don't, I don't wanna trust you. I wanna see with my own eyes. I remember seeing a hundred miles. Are we there yet? Fifty miles. Are we there yet? I'm like, I can do this. Thirty miles. Are we? And just zonking out. Out of pure exhaustion. And this amazing thing happened and I'll never forget. Waking up the next morning. I'm in bed. I'm wearing my fuzzy dinosaur pajamas. <laughs> and all is good in the world because we made it to the other side. And I've got some great, pretty good parents. They're here today. They're great parents. But you know what's even greater is our Heavenly Father who never sleeps who never slumbers, who's always watching out for us and who's always going to allow us to make it to the other side. Friends, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what challenge it is. I'm not sure what a storm looks like. But I want you to know, in the midst of it, you can trust God. He's aware and He cares. I'm going to close in prayer. The band's going to make their way up for this last song. Would you join me in prayer, church? Let's pray. So Lord God, we love You so much. We praise You for who You are. You're, you're a God who is aware. You are sovereign. You are omnipotent. You're omnipotent. You're omniscient, God. You're, you're all things and everywhere, but yet You know our name. So Jesus, right now, in the midst of whatever we're going through, I do pray that we would be mindful of the fact that there are times that You knowingly push us out into the deep and You're doing it for our good. And at the time... It, it's scary and it's, we're terrified and the events don't make sense. But Lord God, as we're getting ready to make it to the other side, thank you that you're with us. Holy Spirit, that you guide us. Jesus, that you're, you're teaching us things. When we're in that boat, when the water's coming in, where we got nowhere else to look, Jesus, being in the boat with you, Jesus, walking closely with you, being in your presence, in your word, in your community, a part of what you're doing is where we need to be. And so, Lord God, if there's somebody in here, whether watching online or here in the room, and they've not yet yielded their life to you, trusted you to allow you to be their Lord, their Savior, their controller, I pray that they would do that today because, Jesus, you're not going to ever let them down. It doesn't mean that life's going to get easier. Actually, it might get harder harder. But because of that, we know that we can make it to the other side of eternity with you and our name can be written in the book of life. And we don't need to fear tomorrow because Jesus, you've already provided a way. So thank you for those who are trusting you in real ways and new ways. And for those who have very real prayer requests right now, where the winds feel strong, the current feels like opposition. Holy Spirit, would you just let them know that it's going to be all right? that you are aware and that you care and that you're with them and that you're for them. And if you are with them and for them, who or what could ever be against them? 
And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we all pray. If you agree, say amen and amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.